Welcome to Channel Chats, the podcast where we discuss the latest innovations and brightest ideas in channel marketing with your host, Tina O'Dell. Before we kind of get into the the nitty gritty of all the business stuff, I think our audience would love to know a little bit more about kind of who you are, who they're going to be spending so much time with and, and learning from. I think that makes sense. So Tina, would you mind telling me a little bit more about you personally, kind of outside of work? What is it that you like to do? Oh, wow. Outside of work. Well, I have three children uh, that are all teenagers. So I like to share with people that I have a master's degree in carpooling. In carpooling, yeah. In carpooling, yes. Uh, with with specialties in uh, volleyball, swim, and soccer. Okay, so you, you've got a sporty family. A sporty family, yes. And right now, uh, two of my children have graduated high school. I have a son that's a junior in the fall at Ohio State University. Uh, he's in chemical engineering. And my oh. middle daughter uh, is also going to the Ohio State University this fall. And she's going to be majoring in business uh, with a concentration in supply chain management. Right. So they're smart and sporty. This is already unlikable, all of you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. They're a handful. They're a handful. And then the youngest, uh, Riley, my youngest a daughter, uh, she's going to be a sophomore in high school and she's still into soccer and for her it's soccer year round uh, but she also does swim lessons as her occupation during the summer she has a whole group of uh, 12 and unders that she does swim lessons for so she's the perfect soul for that where do they get where do they get that sportiness from is that is that on your side oh no absolutely not that must all come from their dad <laughs> or skipped a generation or something i don't know they get the business they get the business acumen from you and sense of humor of course do you giggle a lot as a family is that is that a is that something you'd say we do we do and my husband would tell you that he's the funny one um but i say mm-hmm. he just doesn't appreciate my style of sense of humor yeah is there anything you that really makes you laugh on a consistent basis, like a show or a comedian that you love? Um, wow. Well, during the pandemic, uh, we picked up Ted Lasso, and that definitely had us all in stitches the entire time. I need to see that. You haven't seen Ted Lasso? I don't know what that is. Oh my goodness! I, honestly, I'm here. I think I might be hearing that name for the first time now. Harry. I know. Is that like an American? Um, is I don't even know if that's a person or a sitcom. It's a sitcom. Uh, based in England about a what you would call a football team. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an American football coach who ends up going to England to take on a soccer team. Ah, uh, so he like thinks it's going to be American football. No, he knows that it's not, but he's he thinks he can do it no matter what. And there's a lot of great leadership lessons in Ted Lasso. And, and of course, just a lot of humor. And of course... There's a lot of F-bombs, and I'm definitely one of those people that think if you don't curse at least a little bit, then you're a little bit suspicious. Can our listeners expect a lot of leadership lessons and F-bombs from you? <laughs> well, we're going to have to leave the F-bombs out. This is a business podcast. I'll but... edit them out. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm a podcast producer. I, I have a small world of things I understand. Would you mind kind of outlining for a simpleton such as myself kind of what it is you do at Juniper? Yeah, so I lead global partner marketing at Juniper. And then a lot of people are like, what What does that mean? I'm one of those. Almost all of my career has been related to tech in one fashion or another. But most tech companies do not sell their product direct. Uh, it's not a consumer-based tech. It's a business-to-business tech. And in business-to-business technology, 
Uh, most companies sell through what is called a, a partner channel or a channel distribution channel. So that is a group of um, non-employees but affiliates to your company that often take certification um, or requirements and uh, sign up to be able to sell and distribute your product. They actually interface with the end user. They know the end user's needs. They spec out the product and they sell the product to the end user. My role at Juniper is to support those entities, whether it be our distribution partners, our channel partners, um, selling our product to provide them go-to-market resources so that they can be impactful and effective at doing their job and placing our products. So it's, it's trying to meet your sales goals, but through a third-party entity that does not relate or report to you, uh, but you're trying to encourage them and influence them and hope that it's profitable enough and your product is good enough that they will want to sell your product. And that's the relationship that we have with our channel. So I imagine a lot of our listeners say, hey, that's, that's me. Absolutely. A lot of our marketing contacts at these channel partners, uh, they often do not get the attention and the focus that they should because we tend to focus a lot on the salespeople and a lot on the technical people at these channel partners. Um, and there's a lot of work that's incredibly valuable and important that the channel marketer does for us. And um, I say that not only because I used to be one of those channel marketers, um, but because I've, I've have to work through those channel partners and depend on them. And I know just in the role of marketing in general, it's often one of the least resourced and most important positions in a company because when you're doing well, you need to continue to do well. But when you're not doing well, everyone looks at marketing and says, what are you going to do to help us meet our numbers? And when you say that it's going to take time and planning, everyone's like, well, I don't have time for that. Mm. I need something today. I need something tomorrow. And today and tomorrow is not marketing. Today and tomorrow is selling. Marketing is that strategic outlook, that planning, that very tactical execution of the plan um, over many, many, many months. That is not, you know, what I'm going to be able to do for you tomorrow. Channel marketers, we see you and we love you. Okay, so I'm interested. How how did you end up in? Uh, how what kind of what's your what's your background in education? Where did you where did you begin? Oh wow, I began uh, at Ohio Northern University here in the great state of Ohio in the United States, where I'm from. Mm -hmm. um, it's a small uh, liberal arts college in the Midwest, and I actually have a degree in finance and management with a pre-law option. And that's how I got my start in marketing. Wow, wow. What, what, drew, what drew you to marketing? Is there something you particularly enjoy about it? I saw you look confused there. You're like, finance, management, pre-law. What does that have to do with marketing? Yeah, it, it felt like you were playing Mad Libs of degrees, to be honest. You, you were throwing out a lot of things. You were casting a very wide net. Well, that's how I felt when I went into school. I actually thought going into college that I wanted to go on to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I researched what could I study that would prepare me for law school? Where could I go that... Uh, would ensure that I could get into law school. And that's the reasons why I chose Ohio Northern, because they had a direct admission into law school if you did your undergrad uh -huh. there and met certain requirements. Um, and also the reason why I chose uh, finance uh, as my undergrad uh, 
because my research had said that in order to do well in law school, you had to really develop your strategic thinking and problem-solving skills. And if you wanted to get a business degree as your undergrad, finance was highly recommended as the best route to go uh, to be able to do that. So I, I did that, and as I was graduating, it was not a great time to go on to law school. Uh, the field was pretty saturated at that time, uh, particularly in business law, which was what I was most interested in. So I opted to uh, finish my degrees early um, and get a jump start on the rest of my graduating class who would be vying for positions in 1996. I'm aging myself there. Um, so I actually graduated in 90, November of 95 and started looking for jobs ahead of my classmates and landed myself at a technology company that was about 10 to 15 years in at the time, software-based company that was also uh, in Ohio. Uh, it was Solomon Software, uh, which is today uh, Microsoft Dynamics, uh, the accounting software package. Oh, wow. So. I started there at the very bottom in technical support, so not in marketing, but in learning how to support an accounting software technology package. Um, and in doing so, I learned a lot about the product, and it's a very long story, but ended up working my way into creating training. And then once I created the training, I was asked to help market that training because as the creator of the training that went with our software package, uh, they didn't feel like there was anyone better to market that to our users than someone who created it. Makes sense. That was my foray into marketing um, probably within the first three and a half years uh, that I was into my profession, I sort of fell into marketing. Yeah, that's interesting. But you you went there via training. That's something you enjoy. It is something that I enjoy. And I think that was something that was evident pretty early on in my career. And probably some of that comes from being the oldest child. You know, I believe a lot in birth order. Yeah. And when you're the oldest child, you often get tapped to help mom and dad, you know, with your younger siblings and sort of that nurturing, uh, training, facilitating uh, traits, those all, you know, come to the top. I think you're selling yourself short because I'm the oldest child as well. And uh, that's not fallen on me. My uh, my little sister is definitely the, the go to for for pretty much anything. <laughs> I'd like to know how you ended up at Juniper. Like what was uh, how did you end up? How did you end up here? I mentioned earlier that I uh, worked for a period of time as a channel marketer at one of the partners that I support today uh, as an employee of Juniper. It was a managed elite partner in the Midwest. And I worked there for six to seven years while I was uh, raising my children uh, as they were at younger ages, and I was looking for less corporate travel, uh, more flexibility in what I was doing, but I still wanted to keep my marketing skills current. So I took those skills uh, that I had honed at Solomon Software and you know, then part of Microsoft and put them to work at a local company where I could facilitate their need to grow you know, from a thriving young partner uh, that was a, an elite partner already in the Juniper ecosystem um, to more than um, 
I guess, quintupling, going five times, you know, what their annual revenues were from the time that I started. Good job. Yeah. Well, it wasn't all me, but um, definitely marketing is a, a key part of that. And channel marketers out there, they know the job that they do and the work that they do to support their companies. And it's a lot. It You know, when you are a channel marketer, uh, especially at the smaller partners, you're doing every aspect of marketing. You're doing mm-hmm. PR work, you're doing product marketing, you're doing demand gen, uh, you're managing all of the vendor relationships. Um, you're getting, you're wearing multiple hats, you know, throughout yeah. the day. It's not like you can one week be the PR person and the next week be the demand gen person. Um, you're doing all of those things and you're packing up your your trade show kit and taking it out and going out on the road and working the shows too and and working the booths. So it's a big job and I have a, a tremendous amount of respect for those that do that job. I think that a lot of our listeners will be happy to to know that you understand that because as you end up, you know, higher and higher up and you, and you succeed, kind of you specialize and you narrow, but you need, when you're in these smaller, you know, entities, you've got to be versatile and adaptive on so many fronts. And uh, I think that, that that's so nice that you'll be able to help with uh, so many of these things. Absolutely. And you have to be willing to uh, spend your days, you know, being highly strategic and developing your annual marketing plan. And um, there's a lot of analysis in marketing that people don't realize. Um, You're analyzing your campaigns, you're looking at um, what your lead nurture cycles are, uh, who your top customers are. Um, So there's a lot of work to be done there. But then at the other end of it, there are times that you're spending your day making copies uh, to take to the trade show and packing up those boxes mm. and loading up the car. Because as a a marketer, a lot of your uh, work is done in a pretty tight uh, geographic space. So you're not always, you know, using planes, trains. You know, it's more likely that you're on the in the automobile. It's not always as glamorous. Yes, it's not always that glamorous. And But I mean, there are times you get to travel and do things. When I was at uh, the partner that I worked with, uh, Juniper was uh, one of the vendors that did a really nice job of hosting marketing summits for us occasionally. Um, sometimes mm. they were a half day, sometimes they were um, a day and a half to two days where we could as... Um, marketers in the partner channel uh, join the Juniper team and, you know, go through best practices, you know, listen to motivational speakers uh, and really get into, you know, how to personally grow because that's another area that not all of our partner marketers uh, have uh, easy access to and that's ongoing professional development. And as someone Mm -hmm. who had worked at larger companies prior to, you know, working at the partner, I understood the value of that professional development and spending that time. And it's something that I would seek out on my own. Um, and my company would do that to some degree as well. But it's certainly when you're working at a smaller entity, uh, you don't have the same opportunities as you would as a larger company. And that's something that we hope to be able to share in this podcast is, you know, some of that accessibility yeah. to uh, some of the speakers that we have that have uh, subject matter expertise within Juniper or within our industry um, or even perhaps within our partner channel. If we identify 
uh, partner marketers who have a skill that they would like to come on and share uh, with the rest of the channel, we would welcome that and encourage them to participate. And uh, that personal growth has obviously served you very well. Last year, you were awarded uh, one of the top 100 women in the channel, 2021. Uh, tell me, how, how did that feel? Was that a, what, what's the process? Is that something that, that, that they find you or, or did uh, Juniper kind of put you forward for this? And you know, what, tell me about that. Yeah, well, first of all, I'll just say that I was completely surprised, incredibly proud, and and also humbled uh, with that award. Um, it, it was certainly something that meant a lot to me, does mean a lot to me, uh, as someone who grew up in the channel and used to watch the spotlight being given year over year, you know, you would see the women of the channel. Um, and, and I have been recognized as a woman of the channel for several years now. And that is something that you uh, submit your credentials for uh, through your company. And the company decides who they're nominating and, and pushing forward. And the women of the channel list is selected each year uh, based on those nominations and judged by the channel company, uh, which is a, a part of CRN. The Power 100, though, is not something that you apply for. Um, my understanding is that they go through their applications for women of the channel and they pull out uh, individuals that they see are um, making strides in their career, who are uh, creating um, just great, uh, impactful steps of change and evolution and innovation in their industry. And that's who they uh, select and narrow down for that Power 100. So um, while I'm incredibly proud of that award, it definitely speaks to the work that we're doing here at Juniper Networks to really support our channel and to uh, strive to make things easier for our channel to be innovative and to just work more closely and more seamlessly with our channel. A thousand congratulations. So I would ask you, what what piece of advice would you give to, to someone listening right now thinking that one day they want to be where you are? Yeah, well, I would definitely say that it's it's super important to network and, and be very strategic and intentional. I guess intentional is probably the word that I'm looking for in networking. Uh, don't ever allow yourself to just function in your bubble without trying to meet people that do similar work to you or even very different work from you, uh, but in a similar field. And even going up a level or even down a level and mentoring someone else will help you recognize the skills that you have. So networking is definitely one of the things that I highly encourage and continuing to personally develop. Uh, for me personally, Audiobooks has been a, a great tool and a great asset to me. I have a subscription to Audible. I get two new titles every month. And all of that listening is something that you can do while you're getting ready in the morning, while you're making dinner at night, while you're on the sidelines waiting for your kids to warm up for that next soccer match. Um, you can squeeze that in very easily. Yes, I have done that, especially if the book is really good. <laughs> Another thing that I do that's sort of a personal wellness and personal development is listening to an audiobook that's a business book and taking a walk outside, you know, during yeah. my lunchtime. Uh, that is one of my favorite things to do. I get some sunshine, I get to uh, enhance my creativity, 
I get to uh, get inspired by what I'm reading at the moment. Um, and, and that's probably where it first took off for me. And then the last thing, uh, the last tip that I cling to, it, it's a quote or a saying that I came across years ago and it has just struck me. And it is to strive not to be well known, but to be worth knowing. So that really hit me because I while we all want to be, yes, it's it's a great a great saying, if you really let that sink in, you know, part of you, you want to be a woman of the channel. You want to be power 100. You want to be great at your career or a good parent, um, a good friend. But ultimately, what is more satisfying is being someone that is worth knowing, someone who can provide support and add to a project. Um, I think those things are much more valuable than any recognition or award that you can earn in on your path to being well-known. And I think literally they go hand in hand. I think if you master being worth knowing, then being well-known sort of just follows suit. I'm very glad I asked that question. I, I really think that that was a tremendous answer. I love the the idea that Growth can come from mentoring as well, because I think we always look upwards when we're looking, you know, and there's this kind of like clamoring thing. Uh, you know, I work in marketing myself and it feels like we're always scrambling to the top, but actually reaching downwards and helping someone out can really be beneficial to you. And that quote is what I'm going to steal right off you for my next <laughs> conversation when I need to appear like a clever person. So it's obvious that you are an incredibly motivated person. Uh, I think that that's fair to say from what I'm hearing. You know, it, it's hard to be motivated all the time. There's got to be some days when you think, you know what, I fancy staying in bed today. What is it that 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 lifts your duvet? You know, what what helps you hit those goals? I think the thing that really motivates me, and it's it's quite honestly, Harry, it's not something that uh, 10 years ago I could have easily answered the question and had a conversation about. But I I, I give Juniper a lot of credit for helping me um, be able to talk about this because it was one of those marketing summits that I attended as a partner marketer for Juniper where I embraced a storytelling exercise that Juniper offered. And I worked with a coach and I got on stage and I told a story. And when I volunteered to do this storytelling exercise, I thought, this is great. I have been struggling how to tell our company's story very succinctly and crisply to get that across. I'll do this exercise and I'll come away with how to do that. And when I met with the coach uh, that was running the exercise, the very first thing that he said to me was, that's great that you want to do that for your company. You know, I think that, you know, doing this exercise will help you hone your skills. But what I've found is the audiences respond much better to you telling a personal story. And I quite literally remember very vividly backing away from the speakerphone on my desk that day and saying, Jeff, you don't understand. While I seem like a very social person, person a very outgoing person, I do a lot on social media. I represent our company really well. The one thing you won't see is me sharing a lot of personal details when I do that. I don't talk about my past or where I came from or any of those things. That's just not comfortable for me. 
And Jeff pushed back and he's like, I really appreciate that. He goes, but if you, you know, just trust me and trust the process, why don't we try to find something that you can share? So that's, that's the intro to me getting up on that stage and for uh, what seemed like forever, but I think it was literally like 10 to 15 minutes sharing the story of some very humble beginnings for me. And I won't say that, you know, I was poor. Anyone can say they were poor, but our family really came from a very modest beginnings. I was um, the product of teenage parents. Um, When they were 17 and 19, they had me. Um, Neither had finished high school. Um, Both uh, worked very hard uh, in, in raising myself. And then four years later, my middle brother. And then 12 years later, my youngest brother. But because they didn't have a college education and did not have um, very secure jobs, you know, we had a lot of ups and downs in our family. Uh, and, you know, the one thing that my parents gave me was their support and their um, validation that if I worked hard and I studied hard, I would be able to not only finish, you know, high school, but go on to college and have a better life for myself. And that was something I wholeheartedly embraced. I couldn't do much about my circumstances and how I was raised. Um, I did take the odd jobs from the time I was 10 or 11. You know, any opportunity I had to earn money um, collecting aluminum cans, uh, digging herbs with my grandpa and drying those out and taking them into town and selling them um, to my first job in a, an ice cream shop uh, when I was the summer after my eighth grade year. I mean, I took all of those opportunities and I embraced them. But the one thing I had total control over was how much I studied and how much I invested in myself and my education to lead me to a better path. And you know, with that, um, I was able to put myself through college and get my first job. Uh, and I have just continued to invest in myself to have a better life for myself, but also for my children. And I think that that spirit has just been with me uh, to to know that I can do more and better than what my parents did because they told me so, Um, but also recognizing that um, I don't want to be dependent upon, you know, government cheese and um, macaroni and, and having that the last two weeks of a month because times were hard and that's what you had. And, you know, we had a lot of love in our family. We had a lot of hardships and hard times. But through it all, what I witnessed firsthand and from a very young age was that your destiny is really in your own hands. And I know sometimes it's hard for people to overcome their circumstances and and sometimes it's impossible. But if you're willing to accept help from others and ask for help when you need it and work hard, that combination is is something that you can use to overcome your circumstances. But it also depends on 
people to be willing to help and willing to give back. And that's also incredibly important to my family and something that I try to ingrain into my children because thankfully they do not know uh, the kind of hardships that my brothers and I grew up with. And hopefully they will never know that. But I have found in recent years that it's been very important to be more open and honest uh, with my children um, and and with other people. And, and that workshop uh, at that Juniper Summit helped me to be open and candid and share. Um, it, it was very healing to do that because it was not something I had ever shared before. And in sharing it with my children and sharing it with other people since then, it has allowed me to be more vulnerable and allowed people to understand better why I drive as hard as I do, why I push my kids as hard as I do to give back and be well-rounded um, and to um, embrace the new kid at school. Having been a new kid at eight different schools from kindergarten to high school, I know what that feels like to be that new kid that shows up. Um, and I also know on the flip side of it, when I go to parent-teacher conferences and have a teacher tell me, um, Kennedy is always the first one to welcome a new kid when they come to school. I know how much that makes my heart grow and how that makes me feel. So for me personally, what drives me is just knowing how far I've come and knowing that I can give back and help others uh, the way that I had a fourth grade teacher that helped me one year by inviting my family to their church to participate in their play um, and gave me a new uh, purse uh, as a Christmas gift that year, which my dad did not want to accept because my parents did not like to accept charity. But that purse meant the world to me at that time. You know, being a fourth grade girl that I'm not even sure I had any other new presents that year for Christmas other than that new purse. And so it's little things like that throughout my life where uh, I've had little angels, you know, come into play. And whether it was offering advice or words of wisdom or willing to be a mentor, a lot of things have made a difference along the way. And I just, I hope that I can prove to everyone that their investment in me was worthy. And I also hope that I can give back to others. I think you've proved that, Tina. That was really, really lovely. Thank you so much. I'm certain that, uh, like me, some of our listeners have taken away an awful lot of that. So um, this seems slightly flippant now, <laughs> but you said you do a lot on social media. Uh, many of our listeners might want to follow you for uh, for more of your of your lovely content. Where can they find you? Oh, of course, and I would I would welcome that. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn, uh, so they can certainly find me. And I welcome anyone who's listening to reach out and send a connection request. I'm happy uh, to connect with you on LinkedIn. Uh, but you'll find me as Tina Odell on LinkedIn. Um, on Twitter, I'm on Twitter as well and fairly active there. Uh, my Twitter handle is the at sign T as in Tina, S as in Sloan, my maiden name, and then Odell, O-D-E-L-L. And then uh, I've also, um, after years of resisting, I've also opened up my Facebook 
and Instagram to accept uh, business contacts as well. I tried to keep those separate for years, um, but what I found was um, that line between business and personal is is gotten thinner and thinner mm. over the years. And so the thing that I advise the students at my alma mater when I go back to talk to them about social media and, and um, their online presence and their personal brand is just don't ever post anything anywhere on social that you wouldn't be okay with your grandmother seeing. And if you stick to that uh, philosophy, for the most part, you will be okay. Uh, there's always those exceptions where you've got some wild grannies out there. Yeah, that, I was going to say. <laughs> um, and, and that's actually happened. I've had a few instances brought up where they're like, but my grandma was the one who shared this. I'm like, oh, okay, well then. Uh, that example works for most, but not all. <laughs> And uh, now we're going to introduce, there's going to be a segment that we're going to have on all of our podcasts. It's called Tina's Top Two. Maybe we'll have a little jingle for that. If not, I'll improvise. Tina's Top Two. <laughs> so, Tina, would you please give our audience uh, our top two before we say goodbye? Oh, our top two. Well, I think it's going to have to be uh, binge-worthy shows today, Harry, since you did yes. not know who Ted Lasso was. You're going to have to go watch that. I must. You must. And I was actually given that recommendation by a vice president here at Juniper who recommended it to me because he was quoting Ted in our QBR, which is a quarterly business review. So Ted Lasso is a must. Um, I, I will just um, vet that by saying that you have to be open to a little bit of salty language. Um, but Ted Lasso is an amazing show. Um, and then sort of on the uh, more rom-com side of things, um, this past week, I was down with COVID, even though I've been vaccinated and boosted, I still succumbed to it. And one of the things that got me through um, my quarantine days was a Netflix series called Sweet Magnolias. Uh, so just a nice little um Again, sort of romantic rom-com series, but I, I, I dare to say that it's okay for men as well to watch this one. There's some very manly figures in the show, um, but it reminds me a little bit of the movie Sweet Mag um, Steel Magnolias um, in, in some of the personalities that are on there. So all of you that are old enough to remember that movie and think of it fondly, uh, definitely encourage you to see uh, Sweet Magnolias. Thank you so much, Tina. And thank you to all of our listeners. We will see you next episode. Until then, have a wonderful time and best of luck with all of your business happenings. <laughs> yes, go forth and conquer. 